dropping on my face. It's a man, it's a man, watch that. It's a man, it's a man, watch that. It's a man, it's a man, watch that. Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Box Office Breakdown. I'm going to review the top 10 movies from December 1984 and give you my thoughts. Now, the total grosses can be based on movies released in December 1984 or played through December 1984. At number 10, Johnny Dangerously, with $7.3 million. That starred Michael Keaton and Joe Piscopo, I believe. I've seen it once, maybe twice, don't remember a thing about it. Number 9, Mickey and Maud, with $7.5 million. Now, I've heard of Harold and Maude, but Mickey and Maude I had to look up. That one was directed by Blake Edwards, starring Dudley Moore, Amy Irving, Anne Rankin, Wallace Shawn. Seems like a pretty good cast, and how can you go wrong with Blake Edwards? Number 8, Protocol, with $9.3 million. That would go on to gross $26 million total. Another one not really on the tip of my tongue, but in looking on IMDb, it says... A woman, Goldie Hawn, saves lives of the Emir of Otar in Washington. The poster has her holding a basketball, a ball and bat. She's dressed like an 80s tennis player. I have no idea what this movie's about. Number seven is The Cotton Club with $11.8 million. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Richard Gere and Gregory Hines. I do specifically remember a couple of tap dance sequences that were really impressive but I don't think I've actually sat down and watched it from beginning to end. At number six, Pinocchio with $12 million. This was a re-release for the Walt Disney Company celebrating the 44th anniversary of the movie. The big one. At number five, we have Starman with $12.5 million. And another sci-fi movie at four, Dune with $19 million. Number three is City Heat with $24 million. This has been on my list for a while. Ever since I saw Smokey and the Bandit, I've been trying to get through Burt Reynolds movies, and this is near the top. At number two, the unnecessary sequel, 2010, The Year We Make Contact, with $25 million. And at number one, Beverly Hills Cop, starring Eddie Murphy. It was released on December 5th and grossed $77 million in the month of December. It would go on to gross $234 million at the box office. A couple of honorable mentions... At number 11, The Terminator, earning $7 million. Number 12, Break Into, Electric Boogaloo, my favorite, at $6 million. And at number 18, with $3.4 million, is this week's movie. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It. Two stars, Watch at Your Own Risk. Three stars, Standard Fair. Four stars, Worth Checking Out and five stars must see. 
Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie Runaway from 1984. This movie was suggested to me by the Connecticut Yankee, which is apparently a literary reference that goes way over my head. So how'd I miss it? Well, I'd never heard of it before until the listener recommended it. I think a lot of people missed it based on the box office receipts. But once I saw the cast and crew who were involved, it seemed like one that had potential. So I figured, let's give it a shot. It was written and directed by Michael Crichton, who helmed Westworld, The Great Train Robbery, and Physical Evidence. He also wrote Jurassic Park, Congo, Twister, Sphere, and the television series ER. This is something to look out for. This movie predicts advances in technology, many of which we enjoy or despise today, including social media, retina identification, drones, tablets, and robot helpers. But after watching this film, it might be a good time to check on your Roomba. So in the near future, robots have replaced many common forms of manual labor, but when they malfunction and pose a certain danger to the community, a specialized force of the police department is deployed to handle these so-called runaways. We meet Sergeant Jack Ramsey, who is paired up with new recruit Officer Karen Thompson, who are sent out to investigate an agricultural emergency. Ramsey is portrayed by Tom Selleck, who starred in Three Men and a Baby, Blue Bloods, and most notably Magnum P.I., which he won a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. Ramsey used to work the streets, but after a fear of heights allowed a criminal to escape, he moved to the robotics division, took night courses, and became an expert in the field. Thompson is played by Cynthia Rhodes, known for Dirty Dancing, Flash Dance, and Staying Alive. I sense a theme there. In fact, her character wanted to be a dancer before hurting her knee, went on to data programming, but didn't like sitting down. She tried to be a nurse for a little while before joining the force. The partners get a call from dispatch about a 709, which is code for a situation where people have died. They arrive on the scene at a suburban house where two people have been killed by a robot designed to do housework. They must save the 10-month-old baby who awaits in a crib. They deploy a floater camera, which is basically a drone, to inspect the house and locate the runaway, which quickly disposes of it with a 357 Magnum. Ramsey asks the father, Mr. Johnson, who works as an electronic engineer, what modifications were made to the robot, but he gets defensive. When he's informed that the robot's got a gun, he starts saying that he's crazy. There's a feeling that Mr. Johnson isn't talking about the runaway. After Ramsey disables the robot and rescues the 10-month-old baby, they come to realize that Mr. Johnson has curiously fled the scene. The next day, when the team is analyzing the runaway, they discover that a non-standard chip was installed which didn't come with the robot when it was sold. Ramsey and Thompson return to the Johnson house and review their front door video messages, a precursor to Ring. A man appears on screen, identifying himself from Acme Robot Repairs, who stopped by because they got a call in the office that one of the robots was malfunctioning, before the message gets cut off. His name is Dr. Charles Luther, performed by Gene Simmons of KISS fame. Yes, that Gene Simmons. The band are in the Guinness Book of World Records for highest flame projection in a music concert for their KISS 2020 Goodbye Tour. As a frame of reference, they had their first farewell tour back in 2000. 
While working as a defense contractor at VectorCon, Luther developed advanced computer chips which can distinguish between humans, turning mild-mannered robots into assassins. He wants to sell this technology to the Mafia, terrorist organizations, foreign agents, or anyone who is willing to offer him the most money. Here's a quote without context. Congratulations, guys. You just stalked out a roll of toilet paper. Runaway is a popcorn flick from the 80s. While it is a cautionary tale about the dangers of technology, it's mostly a mindless action movie with a smattering of science fiction. That's not an insult. I like the movie, but it is what it is. When a film normally depicts the future, it's always clean and very modern looking, no signs of paper or dirt, like when you stage a room for selling a house. But in this movie, the landscapes, the buildings, even the clothing look fairly standard. It looks like the 1980s, and in some parts, it looks like the 2020s. I'm not sure if there wasn't enough money in the budget, or that was intentional by the filmmakers. The only advanced technology that's consistent are the robots, which is the main feature of the movie. But even those designs are boxy. The Daleks from Doctor Who look like a modern marvel in comparison, and they have plungers on their heads. But you can always tell the influence that video games have on futuristic depictions in movies, because they always look like Atari screens. Is that supposed to be some kind of code, or is someone playing Missile Command? Not surprisingly, Tom Selleck plays a convincing cop, I thought Gene Simmons was impressive as the antagonist Dr. Luther, though I've seen enough interviews with him to know that he can be a little prickly. So, a villain wasn't much of a stretch. As a side note, it's been a while since I've seen a movie with the TriStar Pictures logo with the Pegasus. Who owns them? Are they still in business? Alphonse! Alphonse! Look that up for me. As I mentioned, it's not a movie meant to be taken seriously, and I think that everyone is playing it with tongue firmly planted in cheek. In the opening scene, there was a pratfall that could have been in a Three Stooges episode, but it's taken seriously enough where actors aren't winking at the camera or doing double takes like Roger Moore and James Bond. I think the movie deserves more respect, but the biggest problem is that it doesn't have a distinctive genre. It's not a buddy cop film like Lethal Weapon or a sci-fi movie like Blade Runner. It's somewhere in between it all. It needs like a Venn diagram. Now for a little trivial trivia. Sergeant Ramsey's son, Bobby, is acted by Joey Kramer. This was his feature acting debut and a few years later would go on to star in Disney's Flight of the Navigator. The cinematography was captured by John A. Alonzo, whose filmography includes The Magnificent Seven, The Bad News Bears, Scarface, and was nominated for Best Cinematography for Chinatown. It was edited by Glenn Farr, who worked on Commando, The Serpent and the Rainbow, Aquila and the Bee, and won a Best Film Editing Oscar for The Right Stuff. Oh, oh, oh! No, not that one. The score was composed by Jerry Goldsmith, who wrote the music for Alien, First Blood, Gremlins, Total Recall, and won an Academy Award for Best Music, Original Score for The Omen. This was his first all-electronically composed music, and a decent addition to his canon. The runtime is 1 hour, 39 minutes. It had a budget of $8 million and grossed $6.8 million at the box office. It was considered a bomb, but has since developed a cult following. I give it 3.5 out of 5 stars. This movie feels ripe for a remake. With modern technology, I think the effects could be improved, and with our reliance on smartphones, home security devices, and virtual assistants, a writer could have a lot of fun predicting what advances we'll have in the near future. 
If you've seen Runaway and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. My grandparents had a golden retriever. She was a former show dog that retired and needed a home. They already had a Cocker Spaniel Black Lab mix, and she became his companion. She couldn't have been a sweeter dog, and was always very prim and proper, but I find that most golden retrievers can be some of the goofiest dogs. I can waste a good 45 minutes on YouTube watching videos of goldens. I came across one from Funny Dog Bailey, which was entitled, Golden Retriever Shocked When Kitten Takes Bed. Fairly straightforward, but let's analyze. You have this 60-pound dog and 3-pound kitten. He could easily grab the feline with his mouth and throw it halfway across the room. He could just flick it with his paw like those triangle paper footballs. Anyone? No one. All right. But he does everything he can to get the kitten off his bed without harming it, until he eventually gives up. I understand how he feels. I don't like sharing my bed either. It's a cute little video that should make you smile. It's posted in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous. I almost replaced this one because I couldn't pronounce Cretaceous, but there's a split second where I could feel my brain sending the right word to my mouth. It was developed by Zach Stentz, based on Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. The animation was done by DreamWorks Television. The show revolves around a group of teens that attend an adventure camp on the infamous Isla Nublar. I think it goes without saying that it isn't long before havoc is wreaked. It's amazing that a children's series has been made off of movies where the premise is dinosaurs ripping people to shreds. But for some reason, it works. Part of the charm is the voice acting, performed by some familiar names. Sean Gambrone from The Goldbergs. Ryan Potter from one of my favorite animated films, Big Hero 6, Jamila Jamil from Harley Quinn, the animated series, and two Disney Channel alums, Jenna Ortega and Rainey Rodriguez from Stuck in the Middle and Austin and Alley. It's definitely not for younger children. The storylines do explore more adult concepts that might go over their heads. It also features kids in perilous situations as seen in the Jurassic Park movies, as well as the Goonies and E.T., Basically, anything produced by Steven Spielberg. You have all the action and thrills of the film franchise without the blood and the torn limbs. Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous has been on for four seasons, 37 episodes, from 2020 to present. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for all the reviews, rants, and random
We meet Sergeant Jack Ramsey, who is paired up with new recruit, Officer Karen Roberts. Nope. Just making up names. Jurassic Park, Camp Cretaceous. Oh, I was so close to getting through it. He also wrote Jurassic Park, Congo, Twister, Sphere, Sphere. I don't think so. And won an Academy Award for Best Music, Original Score for The Domen. The Domen? <laughs> you dummy. 